Hi, this is Suzanne Corrigan. We're the Women's Leadership Initiative Fellows. And this week, we're highlighting Albany Law alumni, class of 2005's Kimberly K.C. Patillo de Cosard, partner at Cahill, Gordon, and Rindell. As co-chair of Cahill's merger and acquisitions and corporate advisory practice groups, Kimberly advises corporations, boards, private equity firms, and family offices on complex law matters focusing on mergers and acquisitions and other strategic transactions. She has been recognized as a merger and acquisitions MVP by Law360 and most influential women in mid-market mergers and acquisitions and is listed on Law Dragon's uh, 500 leading lawyers. She is also the founder of the Women's Leadership Initiative or WLI and WLI is dedicated to normalizing female success in the legal profession. And we're excited to join you all this week as we celebrate Kate Stoneman Day and the International Women's Day. Thank you, Casey. All right, all good afternoon, Casey. Me. My name is Isabella Napadano. I'm one of our WLI fellows here, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us. I would like to thank you first for your time. Our first question for you is the following. Along the way to your current success as the co-chair of the mergers and acquisitions and corporate advisory practice groups at Cahill, are there women who come to mind that have inspired you to become your best throughout your years? Well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to, to speak with me and to, um, to hear what I have to say about leadership and, and all of the good work that you guys are doing as fellows. So thank you. Um, you know, I, I think I have to expand the question a little bit um, from just women to just people who have inspired me to become my best. Um, but certainly my parents have been very influential in my life. Um, my, my mom and dad and stepmom have all been really critical in my success. And, you know, my father in particular, I think, um, you know, has made me who I am in large part um, by just encouraging me and expecting um, a lot from me and making me, you know, be, have a voice, feel comfortable with my voice um, and really has pushed me throughout my entire life into leadership roles um, and, and was the pusher really in my background. Uh, but, you know, both of my moms led by example, um, and they're both very different. One is very vocal. Um, she very clearly has a voice and knows her voice and knows how to use it. Um, and so that was a really good example for me. And my my other mom is also um, a leader, but she's uh, more of a quiet leader in terms of she just puts her head down, gets the work done. And so I attribute a lot of my work ethic and grit um, to her. So, so certainly my parents have influenced me throughout my years. Um, in terms of my, my legal years, uh, certainly there's one woman in particular who comes to mind, Raj Dubutar, who is on our advisory council for the WLI. She's currently the general counsel of um, Novonix, which is a publicly listed company. Um, and she was, when I was a junior associate, she was the general counsel of a different company called Foresight that I was working on their IPO. And she was really the first woman, um, and she is a woman of color, uh, that I saw in a leadership role um, who was really able to command a room. Um, and she, you know, we would sit in these meetings and we were doing everything in person then. And there would be, an entire room full of men um, and, and coal miners. I mean, like hard, hard men. <laughs> um, and she was the only woman in the room until I walked in and she ran that room like a boss. I mean, there was no question 
who was in charge, who people were listening to. And I was, I think, probably a, a fourth or a fifth year associate at the time. And that was just, it just blew my mind to like, you know, I had always, for the most part, been the only woman in the room. Um, but to walk into a room and see someone command that kind of attention and be able to run the conversation was really inspirational and, and kind of was the first time I thought, oh, I can, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Let's do that. Um, and, and how do I do that? And so that was really the start of both a personal and professional relationship with Rajda, um, who is still obviously very, uh, she's, she's still a client um, and she's also still just a very close friend and, and I'm happy and pleased that she's joined us on the WLI advisory committee. But, you know, the qualities I saw in her was just, she knew who she was. She was confident. She, um, she commanded attention. She spoke up. She didn't let people interrupt her. Um, and she just, she just had this confidence and competency about her that I hadn't seen um, in a legal setting before from women. And, and probably most importantly, she knew how to listen. And so, um, she, when other people were speaking or passing their views or whatever, she, she was an active listener and really wanted to engage in conversation. She didn't always need to be right. She was ready and willing to admit when she wasn't. And, all of those were qualities that I really admired and I tried to bring to the table as a leader myself. Um, and that just were, you know, really at the time, I think, transformative for my career. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's important as women for us to see other female mentors in these leadership roles. And that's another reason why we just want to thank you so much for your time um, and your advice in this capacity. As a follow-up to that, I would like to ask, you talked about Rashta and her qualities in active listening. How would you recommend um, a young female attorney or a law student who wants to work on seeing herself in leadership roles and having and developing these qualities. What is the best way to develop them? Is it experiential learning? Is it maybe um, networking? What do you recommend? I think it's a combination of things. And leadership looks different um, at various stages of your life. So when I think back on my life and I talked about my parents and influ how influential they were um, in my earlier years, the kind of leader that I was in high school when I was captain of the softball team is a very different leader than I am right now. Um, and so I think you need to be aware of that and be conscious about where you are in whatever stage of life or professionally, whatever stage you're at, and be open and willing to changing your style over time and, and recognizing what kind of leader you need to be at a particular time. And so in terms of creating your own leadership style and your own leadership trajectory, uh, I think that one is experience. I do think that that is a critical component. And, and as seeing Rajda was transformational for me, um, you know, I think that you need to be in situations where you see, um, you see people being leaders, whether that's men, women. I mean, there's been plenty of men who have influenced my, my, my leadership style as well and who have been sponsors of my career. Um, and so I think you just need to see a bunch of styles in action and pick and choose which is right for you at that particular moment and, or, or pick certain qualities that you see in action and say, that's not for me right now, but that's where I want to be. Right. So when I was, when I was a junior associate, um, it wasn't my place to command that room, right. It wasn't my place to be the boss of that room. It was my place. The way I was a leader as a junior associate was to show up, to listen, to take notes, 
to understand what was going on, to be a reference and a source of information for the, for the partners, to make sure that I knew everything I needed to know so that I can inform them so that they could be the boss of that room. And that was, that was what it meant at that time for me to be a leader was to work hard to understand the deal and to be a source of support for the senior people on the team or the client. Um, but seeing that at the time, seeing Rajda at that time, you know, I was taking those nuggets and tucking them away because that's where I wanted to be. And, and it wasn't my place to do it then, but it is my place to do it now. And so I think back on what that looked like. So certainly seeing different types of leaders in different scenarios, I think is really critical. I also think that you mentioned networking, um, just having exposure and conversations like this with people that are in different places than you, that are different than you, that are in different industries than you, um, I think are all very informative and critical uh, to informing your leadership style and, and growing you as a person. And I think doing things away um, you know, from work is really critical too. I, I can tell you that having children um, completely changed my style. I mean, it's, I, it's night and day. Um, you know, if, if you would have said to me before children, what's your leadership style? How do you view a leader? What is a good leader? Um, it's very different today after having three children and being a mom um, than it was back then. And that's not just as a result of having grown up a little bit in my career and matured and, and becoming more senior, but it's definitely as a result of having children um, because being a parent means being a leader, but you know, negotiating with a three-year-old is very different than negotiating with, you know, a CEO of a company. But yet I take those experiences of negotiating with a three-year-old who is oftentimes, you know, irrational and, um, to, to the boardroom because CEOs and board members can be irrational. Uh, and so, you know, you have to take nuggets from everywhere and, tuck them away and it will eventually, it won't feel at the time as though it's all coming together, but you will, you will reach a point where you feel it start kind of coalescing and making sense and feeling like, yeah, okay. I, I know who I am now. I know what kind of leader I want to be. I know these are the areas I still need to work on. Um, and recognize that at each stage that this is everyone is a work in progress um there is no kind of ultimate finite goal of this is the leader this is the the best leader this is what you know it's what's best for you what's best for your organization what's best for your life your family um and and that changes i'm i'm a different type of leader when I'm mom, than when I'm, you know, a partner at Cahill, than when I'm doing my philanthropic work, uh, it, it kind of shifts throughout the day, but there's certain core tenets of leadership that I hold firm to that carry through that, um, that I think will develop over time based just on experience, exposure to different people, different scenarios, and as life changes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Casey. I'm going to jump in. My name is Jordan Conway. I'm also a fellow with the Women's Leadership Initiative. Um, so we're speaking a lot about you as a leader, and we know that you've been named one of the most influential women in mid-market mergers and acquisitions. Um, in your work, what is one of the greatest challenges that you have faced as co-chair of Cahill's mergers and acquisitions in corporate advisory practice groups? And are there any opportunities or ideas that you wish you had given more consideration in your career or in leadership in general? So, um, you know, I'll take the, the second part first. Um, in hindsight, when I was um, an associate, I 
I wish that I had been more of a leader um, in terms of advocacy and in terms of mentorship uh, to junior associates. So, um, look, big law is a slog. It's 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 a it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort and energy to get through those associate years to get to um, partnership. And I spent most of those years kind of head down, doing my work, being the best lawyer I could be, um, creating and taking advantage of opportunities for me that would further my career. Um, and in hindsight, you know, there were opportunities I could have taken along the way to help junior associates, um, you know, do better, be better, learn better, have more opportunities, et cetera. And I didn't do that because I was selfish and focused on my own career. I wasn't really thinking beyond me in terms of others. So I, that's certainly a regret that I have um, coming up as an associate that I, I didn't spend more time being an active mentor um, and advocate for junior folks. Um, and that ties in a little bit into, you asked about my greatest challenge um, that I face now. And I think it's the same challenge that I faced then. I've just learned to, to manage it better is time. Um, my, my seven-year-old will tell you time is finite. Um, and it's true. And he views it because I say, you have 10 more minutes on your iPad before we have to do homework. And he's like, ah, oh, time is finite. I can't believe I only have 10 more minutes. Um, but that's kind of how I feel all the time. And there is a limited number of hours in the day. Um, there are a lot of demands on time, uh, on your time, my time, it's just different demands, right? You kind of, I feel like it, everyone is always feeling like they're hanging on by their fingernails, running from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. Um, you know, everyone's, I, everyone starts conversations with me like, Oh, I appreciate your time. And you know, you're so busy. Well, so are you, right? I mean, you guys have a full schedule, you have classes, you have a thousand things. You have families, you have lives, right? Your life, my life is not any busier than yours. It's just a different kind of busy. What's keeping me busy is different than what's keeping you busy. Um, so, so I'm, I try to be respectful and appreciative of everyone else's time. I'm not, my time's not any more valuable than anyone else's. And, and that's a challenge because, um, it was a challenge when I was a junior associate, right? The time, the reasons why I didn't help junior associates is because I had a limited amount of time to show what I could do, what my worth was. Of course, this is my perception back then. Now it's obviously very different. Um, but at the time when you're in it, you think I have to prove myself. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do this. If I do these 10 things, then I will get the prize of being a partner. And that was all I was focused on. Um, it's, it's, similar now in that I have a limited amount of time. And so I have to decide how to spend that time. And I have clients that I, that need service, right? That's actually my job is to service clients. And so that's a time demand that is of utmost importance. Um, I have now the obligation, you know, and, and it's not a cumbersome obligation. It's a, an obligation that I welcome of doing what I should have done then in terms of bringing up junior and senior associates and giving them opportunities and making sure that they have the right amount of support and training and, and opportunities so that they can reach whatever is they view as their pinnacle or, or next in their career trajectory. Um, and, you know, I, I, as the head of a practice, there's, demands on my time to to grow this practice and network and and create additional opportunities for the firm um and i have a leadership role at the firm 
I'm admin partner. So that means that I oversee the administrative function of the firm too. So, you know, that's a demand on my time. Um, there's this, which things I love, right? Hobbies and things, you know, I, I love the WLI. I love Albany Law School. I want to be able to give my time to it. Um, and I'm also a mom, right? And I have three kids and a husband and a family and a dog and, you know, so, so time and figuring out how to fit all of those pieces in a day um, and prioritizing it is my greatest challenge. It's, and it's everyone's greatest challenge. I'm sure it's your greatest challenge too. Um, I, I don't, you know, at the end of the day, if I feel like I got it mostly right, I pat myself on the back. Um, <laughs> There's days when I'm like, whew, man, I wasted a lot of time today or I went down the wrong path today. Uh, you know what? Tomorrow's a new day and it's a start, fresh start of another 24 hours. So you have to be forgiving of yourself, um, gracious with yourself and with others because you're not always going to get it right. But, but time and time management and fitting it in is my greatest challenge for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Casey. I love the acknowledgement of, you know, hindsight through the lens of honesty. And I we appreciate you sharing that. And also the acknowledgement of everybody has stuff going on, I think is an important reminder for us as we continue to navigate through law school here. So you were named the American Lawyers 2021 inaugural list of Northeast Trailblazers, and have also been named a rising star and emerging leader. Here at Albany Law, as you know, we have a legacy of female trailblazers kicked off by our very own Kate Stoneman, and we have Kate Stoneman Day coming up here. How have you carried on Kate Stoneman's legacy as a trailblazer in your own work as a legal professional? Uh, well, hopefully this, hopefully, you know, the four of you and everyone else and, um, your cohort and those that follow you will go out and do really amazing and incredible and fantastically wonderful things, um, for the legal profession and beyond. So, you know, I think, um, this work here is of supreme importance to me. And I think that this, um, you know, is is the future um, of you guys are the future of the legal profession and giving opportunities to younger lawyers um, and not just opportunities for employment. Um, that's certainly very critical, right? You, you don't, you don't go to law school to be unemployed, right? Let's be honest, right? You go to law school to ultimately be employed. Um, I think that's certainly one aspect of it, but but that it, it needs to go beyond that and creating not just lawyers, but lawyers who are leaders and, and in whatever definition of leadership you have for yourself. Um, and but I but I do think that again, getting back to one of the kind of core tenets of leadership for me, um, you know, there's a a, a Mahatma Gandhi quote that um, a sign of a good leader is not how many follower, followers you have, it's how many leaders you create. And that is one of my core tenets. I, I, don't, I don't need my name on a wall. I don't need a statue. I need to know that I created a lot of really good leaders um, and gave people the opportunity to create their own opportunities. That's what leadership does for you, right? It create you, it puts you in the driver's seat to create your own opportunities, to create other leaders, to affect change. Again, however it is that you define any of those things, it's all very individual and I'm not here to dictate that. And that's not the point of this program either. Um, the point of the WLI is for each of you individually to figure out who you are, who you want to be, how to get there and hopefully create the opportunity and the pathway for you to do that so that you could create the pathway for others to do that for themselves. Um, and so that's really what 
I try to do, what I'm trying to do with this program, what, what we as a group are trying to do with this program. Um, and it's, it's what I try to do with my mentees at, at Cahill um, and other people who reach out to me and, and seek advice or counsel. Um, it's create, helping people create their own opportunities and whatever opportunities they want that I think is really critical. I mean, I, I have mentees, uh, I've had mentees at Cahill who ultimately left Cahill um, and went to explore other opportunities. And, and I was encouraging of that because this is, you know, you may go to a job and it may not be what you thought it was, or it may not be what you want, or it may have been what you wanted and it changes what over time. Um, and if you have people who support you and who are helping you figure that out and figure out who you are and where you want to be, um, that to me is leadership. That to me is, is where we should be. And that's what I hope my legacy is um, and how I try to further the work of Kate Stoneman, um, who was bold and brave and, and courageous. And she not only created an opportunity for herself, but for all of us. And that's really what we should be trying, what I think we should be trying to try to be doing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. On the note of you wanting to inspire the next generation of leaders and having created the WLI yourself, we would like to first ask you why you did this and what brought you to this creation. And secondly, what advice would you give developing leaders to best live up to their potential, especially women? So I came, I came up with the idea um, on the WLI. Uh, it, it, you know, uh, it was a little bit of a funny story in the sense that I was interviewing on campus at Albany Law and for, for Cahill summer positions. And the women who I were, was interviewing were blowing me away. I mean, in terms of their polish, professionalism, experience, things that they were doing outside of class. I met one woman who, I don't know how she had time to go to class because she was doing, you know, two clinics, a journal of this or that. I mean, it was just, the women blew me away in terms of their capacity, confidence, um, competency, et cetera, um, as it related to law school and life. But but yet it was the men in their interviews who, you know, just on paper, these, these guys were not as stellar and incredible as the women, but the men were coming in feeling a sense of entitlement. Um, and, you know, I deserve this job. And the women were coming in who were rock stars and who were awesome and were confident in every other area, but were coming in almost like, would you do me a favor of giving me this job? And it was a, such a bizarre dynamic. And I don't know if it's always existed or I just was having a moment of clarity that day. But by the end of the day, I was very frustrated because I was like, these women are incredible. I would, we would be lucky to have kind of any one of them decide that Cahill should be where they should be working. And yet none of them felt like they were enough. And so... Um, after the interviews, we were having, um, I was having lunch with, with Dean Willette and, um, Jeff Shantz and, and, um, Dean Mary Walsh Fitzpatrick. And we were talking about the day and I said, I gave them that feedback about the, the very clear difference I was seeing between the men and the women. And I said, you know, for a long time, I've been thinking about, you know, doing some sort of leadership training or something for women because everyone that I met deserves to be here, deserves these opportunities and should feel like they are enough. Um, and so I said, what do you, you know, have you guys been thinking about this? Do you think we should do a leader, women's leadership thing? Um, and they all said, 
sure. What does it look like? And I was like, well, I, I, this is real time here. So I'm not, <laughs> I don't have a lot of clarity on it, but they were immediately supportive. And I said, well, why don't you think about it? Think about what it would look like. Think about what it would cost. And let's talk some more about this because I, this is unsettling to me that I am seeing this. Um, and then they came back within a couple of weeks with a proposal of what they thought this WLI could look like. And it was more than I could have ever imagined. Um, and I said, okay, well, now I have some framework to think about. Um, and I talked to my husband and he's like, we absolutely should do this. There's like, it's like a no brainer, hundred percent. We should do this. And that was kind of it. And then, you know, a couple of weeks after that, we were up and running. It was pretty unbelievable how quickly the law school responded and reacted and put all of this in place and put, put all of the wheels in motion, um, which is, you know, it, it was surprising because it happened so quickly, but it's not surprising no, knowing Dean Willette, who was one of my professors when I was at Albany Law. Um, you know, she's... Once she has something she wants to get done, she gets it done. Um, and she felt that this was was important for the law school, important um, an important initiative to begin and to to again create opportunities. And so, uh, you know, I didn't at the time have a vision of what success looked like for this program. I think it's developed over time. I was thrilled that we were able to put the fellowship program in place this year. And I know that's that's a work in progress too. But for me, a successful program or a successful initiative would be having an impact on a number of people who participate, whether they're they're men or women, um, because the, the the we are providing programming kind of more broadly to the community. Um, and, and changing how people are thinking about themselves, um, and how they're interacting personally and professionally by virtue of the programming and, and how that impacts their life and their career trajectory. And as it relates to the fellows, you know, I, I hope that, you know, there's value in the program for each of you individually to create your own path and to figure out, you know, how can I do more, be more, but most importantly, I don't, I want all of the fellows to feel that sense of enough. Um, and to feel like you deserve to be here. You've earned this, you've worked hard, you will continue to work hard. And once you instill that in someone, that sense of enough, um, and they believe it, there's limitless possibilities. There really is. Um, and my family instilled that in me very early on. Um, and I was fortunate to have that. Um, but I know that that's not the case. And I know that there's environmental pressures and, and, you know, uh, things that are said or done or applied that can wear that down. Um, so, so creating confident and competent leaders that feel secure in that, regardless of what else is going on around them, um, or what's said or the environment, I think is really critical. Um, and that for me will be the success of this program. If those are the type of, of people that are graduating from it and take that and, and pass that on to, to others. I agree. And we are all, uh, the WLI as a whole, grateful and indebted for you for this initiative. I can speak for myself as someone who went to an all-girls Catholic school with very um, seldom to no, to no leadership initiatives. 
Um, I am grateful for this opportunity and your work is definitely making an impact. And on that note, I did want to ask as a follow-up, what advice you would give to women struggling with imposter syndrome and trying to find this confidence and develop this confidence through law school, especially in a male-dominant profession? Yeah, I think um, I think Mary Walsh Fitzpatrick had asked me a similar question um, at at one point. Um, I don't I don't have um, I don't have a good answer for that. Um, you know, I, I think I think some of I think some of it will come from being around and being around people who, you know, are competent and confident and seeing what that looks like. Um, and people who have and command respect on the merits um, and seeing what that looks like. Um, but, you know, you guys are all working hard, you're going to know the law, you're going to know, you're not going to know everything about everything. But you know, when you're starting out, it's, it's hard, because particularly in transactional work. Um, I did not have a business background. I was a poli sci undergrad, then I worked in HR, then I went to law school. So I, I did not have a background in finance. Um, and so it was, it was hard to actually feel competent and confident, at least initially, but I knew that, right? I knew what I didn't know, and I knew that I had to work hard to learn it, but I, that didn't make me, you know, I never pretended to know what I didn't know. I think you have to be confident to say, I don't know, right? I think the imposter syndrome and feeling like a phony comes into play when you try to be something that you're not and try to, to, to act like you know things that you don't know. I probably say the phrase, I don't know, more times in a day than most people I know. Because I don't, and I say it to my kids all the time. My son, you know, asks me questions about the earth and the universe. And I say, I don't know. We have to Google that one. Um, so... And, and the same thing at work, right? I was on a call earlier today and the client asked a question and I said, I, I don't know. Let me go figure that out. So I think being around people who are confident enough to say, I don't know, who are comfortable um, being vulnerable and um, being, you know, what is, I guess, potentially perceived as a weakness, right, of, of, of not knowing and not being perfect and um, failing at times, all of those things, I think, are traits that good leaders have. You know, good leaders, good leaders are transparent, I think, in their vulnerabilities. And the way to get around I think the imposter syndrome is just being authentic and being genuine and being yourself and saying, I don't know, or I have to go look that up. Now, what gives me confidence to say that is that, you know, I feel like I, I am a very well-trained lawyer and I can go figure it out, right? Or you know, I have Google <laughs> or I have, I have Lexus or Westlaw or whatever it is, whatever resource it is that I need to actually go figure it out. And the skills that you're learning now in law school about being critical thinkers, thinking about problems in a bunch of different ways, knowing what resources to, to go and find the answer, um, knowing the people you need to go ask to find the answer, just being a resourceful person. Um, I think all of those things should give you the confidence to say, I don't know, but I can figure it out. Um, and so uh, that may take time for people to develop 
Um, and particularly as a junior associate or, or someone just starting out your career, right? You don't want to constantly be saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You want people to think you're smart and you know what you're doing and so forth. But as senior folks in the legal profession, I think it would behoove all of us to remember that we didn't know when we were in your shoes, right? <laughs> so to the expectation that you're going to know everything is an unreasonable expectation. When I look to hire somebody, I'm not hiring them based on their knowledge, because in most cases, their knowledge isn't relevant to my practice area because they haven't had that knowledge or experience or classwork in law school. What I'm looking for is, is this someone who's hardworking? Is this someone who's resourceful, who can go and figure it out? Is this someone who works well on a team who, you know, when I'm up all night that I'm going to want to be in the foxhole with, um, who, you know, I think is a quality human being um, that can do this, can can grow and be someone who is is ultimately very knowledgeable, but is also kind of comfortable in their skin and comfortable where they are. It is, I tell my kids all the time, um, and I tell junior associates, I told someone in their review just recently, you have to be able to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Um, and you have to be able to sit in that discomfort of not knowing and being unsure for a while, because that's where you're going to be. And I'm still there, right? I'm, I have a call later today. I'm not that comfortable about what we're going to talk about, right? It's not exactly in my wheelhouse. Um, and I'm okay with that. It's not a great feeling, but I'm okay with that because I'll listen, I'll learn, I will figure it out, um, and I'll ultimately get everybody to the right place. But you have to feel okay with that. And if you can get to that place, then you're going to be fine because then you will not have this imposter syndrome going on. You won't feel compelled to always have the answer, to always be right. And I think that's the place where you experience a lot of personal and professional growth that will ultimately make you an exceptional leader. Um, because there's times I get on the call with junior associates who think I know the answer to the question I'm asking them. And I say to the first year, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know it. I'm looking to you to tell me the answer and empowering that junior associate and saying, I'm giving you the opportunity to teach me who's been doing this, you know, almost 20 years. I, I want you to teach me. I want you to give me the answer. I want you to tell me what, how we fix this, what the answer to this question is, what the solution to this problem is is incredibly empowering to a junior associate and not only gives them an opportunity to learn and to feel invested in the process and, and the transaction or the case or whatever it is, but it also is helping them develop their leadership style. Because again, I go back to, you have to be transparent um, and with your vulnerabilities and to be able to see people in leadership say, I don't know, help me figure this out is going to create really good lawyers, really good leaders and really good people. And that's what I try to do. And I hope that's what this program does. And I hope, I hope that you all learn how to do that for yourselves and for the people behind you and for the people who are, will be above you. That's a great call out, Casey. And I especially like the reminder that there's no magic wand that you just wave, right, to become some sort of um, inspirational leader. So I think that's a really good call out for us to remember and that these things take practice and intentionality behind them. Um, so we do have one final question from Jordan here. Awesome. Thanks, Casey. Um, and thanks, Ellen. Uh, I think, first of all, the WLI is 
coming at a really opportune time. We were told during orientation that 60% of our class is actually female. Um, for, I think, the first time in school history. I'm not totally sure on that fact, but um, I thought that was pretty amazing. And I know one of the decisions I made in coming to Albany Law School was that there was a great deal of female leadership in the deans. Um, you mentioned Dean Ouellette being one of your professors, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and also, just in the first couple months of the WLI, we have had like a really nice cohort where we see each other in the hallways and can support each other and have the sense of confidence. Um, you've been talking a lot about your tenets of leadership, which I think are pretty cool to kind of have some values and ideas that you can look to in, in your leadership. And I was wondering if you, you told us the one about, you know, creating leaders versus like, you know, having followers. And I was wondering if you could tell us, um, maybe one or two other of your tenants and why you think it's important in a young 1L or 2L or 3L who's seeking a leadership position. Yeah, so I think certainly um, creating creating leaders and not just having followers is is a really critical one for me, um, and one that I I have that quote on a sticky note on my computer so that I I don't forget it um, when I'm working with junior associates and and others. Uh, so that one is critical. The other one I've talked a bit about today that I think is also a, a, one of the the cornerstones for me of leadership is the vulnerability um and just being honest with yourself and with others about what your strengths are what your weaknesses are um and not portraying yourself as infallible and knowing it all uh, because that's one that's just not true um <laughs> and and two I think, um, you know, I, I think that a leader builds support through teams um, and, and not just, you know, it's not me as the leader and then there's everybody else on my team just kind of looking up to me. It's I am kind of, you know, I am part of this team. Um, and yes, I'm, I'm making some calls and steering the ship in some ways, but this is very much a team and collective effort and we all need to be on board and, and I can't do it by myself and I can't do it by myself, not just because I don't have the time, but because I also don't have the expertise and everything. And so being vulnerable, uh, and transparent, I think is another, is another one, um, I think one that I mentioned kind of early on and that uh, Rajda showed me a lot about was being an active listener uh, and hearing the feedback and the input from people around you. Um, you know, I, I have ideas, but so does everybody else. And a lot of the other ideas may be better than mine, or maybe we can sync them together to come up with this really super awesome, incredible idea. And so being willing to listen, um, but not just in the sense of, oh yeah, I'm hearing you, but actively listening and hearing what people are saying and synthesizing that with your preconceived notions, your ideas, and seeing if there's a way to bring all of it together to make a bigger, better whole, um, I think is another really important piece of that. Um, and then the, the the another one that I'll mention is one of sponsorship, um, which is really important to me. I, I view sponsorship and mentorship as two very, very distinct and different things. Um, and I think good leaders um, are, are sponsors of people in their groups or their cohorts or their circles um, and really help to create. I, I, am, I am in a position of, of power and I'm in a position of being able to create opportunities in a lot of ways for people and I think it's really important that I do that. And so sponsoring people in the form of um, not just encouraging them to, you know, 
push past what they think are their preconceived limits, but also creating opportunities for them to do that so that they can ultimately achieve whatever is their ultimate success, um, I think is really important to do as a leader. And, and not everyone in my circles or cohorts will be a quote leader in the traditional sense, right? Not everyone is going to chair a practice or be the CEO of a company or be on a board. As I said earlier, leadership is defined individually and um, being able to help them create whatever whatever leadership, quote, leadership role, whatever that means to them is really important. Um, and like I said, there's been people that I've mentored who leadership for them and a successful and happy, productive professional life for them it hasn't meant making partner at Cahill. It's meant going and doing other things. And um, part of part of my job as a leader and as a human is to support them and help them create that path for themselves to the extent that I have the ability to do so. And, um, and so I think as a leader, having that ability to be accepting of other people's paths and other people's journeys and helping them along that path, even if it's not the one you would have chosen for them, um, or the one you think that they should go down, I think is, is really important. So I think those are, those are a few of, of my kind of core tenets of, of leadership and how, how I try to show up every day, um, in my own life. And, and, you know, some of what I say may resonate with you. Some of it may not. And that gets back to the earlier part where you pick nuggets of stuff from, from people that you've seen that work for you or don't work for you or um, may not work for you now, but five years from now, you may say, oh, I remember somebody said that um, and it may work for you then. Well, this has been a truly inspiring interview, Casey. Thank you so much for your time and for your commitment to the Women's Leadership Initiative at Albany Law School. If anyone I, would, yeah, go oh, ahead. No, I so I so appreciate the opportunity to to be able to do this with all of you, um, and to have you be the first class of fellows is really special. And for you guys taking time out of your day, um, I I appreciate the opportunity to to share some of this with you. And I look forward to all of your other interviews and podcasts because. I am a lifelong learner, and um, I'm sure you will talk to other people who I can take some nuggets from as well. So I, I look forward to all of the incredible and wonderful things all of you will accomplish. Thank you. And if anyone would like to learn more about the Women's Leadership Initiative or Kate Stoneman, please visit the Albany Law School webpage. A link can be found in the notes of this podcast. Thanks, everyone.